0: her many voices her many voices her many
1: voices her many voices
0: there's a lot of edible flower out there a lot of people don't know and some people you know they'll they'll get their food their plate is delivered to them um presented to them and then they put Pull the little flowers off the salad or off the side of the meal, not realizing this is something that you can ingest, and um, it has given its life to sustain yours. So I would suggest that you that you do that. You say thank you, and consume. Brooke, it is so good to see your face, Annie. I want to thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm glad you're here. Is Desiree joining us as well, or is it just going to be you?
2: Desiree's joining us.
0: Oh, good. Okay. All right. So, um, Brooke Rodriguez is, um, she is one of the co-founders of, of first foods, and she's on the East coast in New York. She's my New York Taino girl. Um, and Desiree is going to be coming in from the West coast. Um, and you know Aisla had asked me how do we how do how do we know each other and i couldn't even say the the exact moment i just know that i completely fell in love with both of you guys and the work that you do and how you walk in this world and the 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 spirit the space that you carry um for others um so i want to thank you for that do you remember when we first met. I know it's through Desiree, but I, I don't even remember that connection from speaking. Speaking of Desiree.
1: Hello, Mijuxis.
0: Oh, beautiful. How are you?
1: <laughs> Doing well. Thanks for having us.
0: I'm so glad you're both here. I was just asking Brooke, um, because I asked, you know, how did how did we meet? And I couldn't remember that initial moment. And I don't know if it was through Indigenous Peoples Day or if it was something else. I just know that we made this connection and I'm very grateful for it. Um, Yeah. So.
1: You two are certainly cut from the same cloth. It's a wonderful cloth to be cut from.
0: Well, Brooke and I are both little Torians, okay? So uh, (laughs) we've got that going on for us. Uh, which I feel for you and Aisla, because oftentimes that means you got some stubborn people that you got to really work with um, and you're very patient and you know how to handle us. So that's a good thing. Would you agree, Brooke?
2: Yes, hundred percent. I would agree. Okay.
0: okay. All right. Well, ladies, I don't want to hold you up on my end. I know that you had a video that you wanted to share as well as doing a presentation. So what would you like to start with first?
1: the video the video okay please all right
0: That was beautiful
1: brooke is an amazing amazing editor and creative she does a lot of beautiful editing
0: i didn't realize that was your work brooke that makes sense yeah
2: <laughs> thanks yeah i don't like to take the credit though i feel like it's a collective
0: everything we do is collective,
2: is it not yes 100 percent. I,
0: I know i might put my name on something but it's not because it was just me solo you know it could have been uh, something my my big sister whispered to me 20 years ago, or it, something, it, it's a collective. We do nothing uh, alone in this world.
2: A hundred percent. I feel like, especially as Taurans, like we're always paying attention to the herd and then really our, our work is a collective consciousness of what has been said, like you said, like your sister 20 years ago, or even a friend just passing by saying something and then we just envision it and it happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to talk for a brief moment because I know we had discussed, or at least you were talking to Aisla about the differences um, when we first talked about indigenous wisdom and what that kind of sparks versus um, indigenous knowledge. And for me, when I think about wisdom, I think about what was truly whispered to us as we entered this world. Versus knowledge is what we consume during our life and what we learn along the way. Um, so, talk talk about that and and how it applies to first foods, please.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. <laughs> We're still in the end. We're just like, oh, who goes first? <laughs> um, but yeah, so. If, i think with indigenous wisdom and indigenous knowledge like how i've always thought wisdom is something that you gain from elders and being around elders and in a community um unfortunately though a lot of um non-native institutions kind of see indigenous wisdom as something that is just oral tradition and therefore based in myth and not fact and they don't take us seriously because of those things so um and even legally, sometimes it has a stipulation where it's not seen as real or authentic uh, or in the land of mythology, which I think is really mm-hmm. sad because we don't see ourselves that way, right? We, we know that our elders are wise and they've been here a lot longer than us and our traditionalists and our doulas and our matriarchs and, and the community have knowledge, you know? Um, and so for us, like, I sometimes use it interchangeably, but I understand it depends on who I'm talking to and the bias around indigenous uh, knowledge and indigenous wisdom. Um, But with First Foods, uh, I think for us, indigenous wisdom and knowledge is really rooted in our ancestral ways and our traditions Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um, that directly come and stem from being in proximity with land culture, with the environment, like our cultures are not just cultures that are just, you know, superficial. Our cultures stem from a long relationship with mitigating, you know, resources, land and spirit in the territories we come from. And sometimes we've come from those territories, you know, over millenniums, not even a millennia, but in the multiples, that's a really long relationship to honor. And so I feel like with our truths, And with our facts and our knowledge and and our traditions, when it comes to our wisdom, it's really rooted in our ancestors that maintain that relationship, so that we can, you know, have also a relationship with the land.
0: Now, your people, you're Taíno. Where are your people from originally? I know that my father side of the family, they're Cuban, Uh, and Taíno peoples are throughout the Caribbean. So yeah.
2: There's a lot of loco, uh, what they call Locono, uh, like island Arawaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of the three major groups is Garifuna, Kalenago, and then of course Taino, which is across several islands. Um, my specific family, three of my grandparents come from, Bo- well, four of my grandparents come from Borinquen, but three of them are indigenous. One is non-native. And um, they come from Umacao and um, Arecibo, which used to be uh, most likely and like that, um, which is got Latinized. So Umacao and Arecibo. And then also I have some family in Guamu and, uh, close to, uh, Caguas as well.
0: And, uh, being out from New York right now, and you are, you are on the territory of the Lanape people, the Shinnecock people. There are many different peoples, uh, that we have to acknowledge. Um, out in New York. Um, I'm thinking you're out on the island, right? Am I am, I I am on
2: Long, I am Long Island in a section that they've labeled as Queens, which is Matinnecock Territory. Okay. And um, we are not that far from Shinnecock Territory, but the whole island of Long Island, which includes Brooklyn, Queens, and the, and the counties like Suffolk, and Nassau, and stuff like that, is called Palmanaki. And that's because it's, Palmanaki means fish. So if you look at the island, it's actually shaped like a fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where the whole, I know they don't really consider sometimes Brooklyn Queens part of Long Island, but it is on that island. they is all in mm-hmm. on one territory.
0: Um, being a born and raised New Yorker and my mom lives in Queens. Uh, I, I know, I get it, yeah. All right, Desiree, tell us about you, your people, and then let's talk, let's talk First Foods and how you two created this and why. Hello, um,
1: I'm Newark. Our traditional territory is in California. My um, family and band is all around Ione. And so we are um, folks who have been directly impacted by the gold rush and what stemmed from that, which it's really interesting in the partnership between Brooke and myself where Brooks Nation was first impacted by colonization and then ours would be subsequently last. Mm -hmm. So we have a really large span of um, elder input going into the positioning and thought that goes behind programming for first foods and why we do certain things. One of the things I'm really, really proud that we do is October every year we do a surviving Columbus, Taíno centric programming entire month because of the erasure around that experience, right? People, even other folks from other nations, we talk about Columbus, the doctrine of discovery, why and how colonization works, but then, you know, folks don't know that like many other Native nations, Taino people even exist, while it's simultaneously a flourishing nation within diaspora. So um, we do a lot of stuff like that. And we just launched three weeks ago our 2021 season with the support of you all at Her Many Voices Foundation. Um, and we have an entire year again of programming by and for indigenous people and our allies who are ready for a new day for old ways which means we talk about food sovereignty land access and our our class participants can really engage in a way that is trying to to bridge traditional knowledge with and wisdom with the the urban experience, which often there's there's a bit of a divide there as people have been forcibly relocated, migrated, all of those things. So yeah, that's who that's who I am. I co host the program with Brooke, but for all all purposes, first Hoots is Brooke's brainchild and I'm just on board and really love to be a part of it. It's got me all motivated. I've got my little mobile garden now outside my patio because participating with First Foods has just been super rewarding. So,
0: All right, so speaking to First Foods, um, I just do, I wanna do a plug right now to make sure uh, people know how to reach you guys. So do you have a website? I see here we've got a Facebook um, link. Is there Instagram? Is there a website coming up? Or how, what's the best way to follow you?
1: Actually, on our page, so that link that's there is our group. Uh, both are feature how to get into class, how to participate and have lots and lots and lots of content about land reconnection and all sorts of things. So um, we also have an Instagram on there is a link tree that just we are in as many places as possible, including you too. So. Okay,
0: we, we've just months. covered you up. Oh, thank you, thank you. I was gonna say, we hey. just covered you up, Ezra. I'm good with being covered up at this point. Um, <laughs> okay, and I, I wanna note, I believe that this was your artwork, Brooke, the logo that you created for First Foods Podcast. That's you, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I got really excited and I was like, okay, if we're gonna have a podcast, we gotta have a corn mic, like we just have to.
0: <laughs> it was a brilliant idea and it's beautiful. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, how long have you guys been around?
1: At this point, I think it's 14 or 15 months. Okay, about well, We're going into our second season of programming and we launched in the middle of the pandemic Everyone was talking about their victory gardens and Brooks over here like victory gardens, sovereignty gardens, and all of a sudden, (laughs) first photo.
0: That was brilliant and it was perfect timing. Absolutely perfect timing. And I know for us, we've been doing um, these gardens. We started, actually we started just about a year ago with, uh, with Shannon Francis. And who's an indigenous permaculturalist, and, and you too know, um, because we thought it was important. You know, here we all, all are being told, don't leave your home. And we needed to do something, and we needed to occupy our, our brains and our souls and our children. And what better way than to plant seeds and to tend to gardens and put your hands in the soil? And science will even show you that you put your hands in the soil, it affects your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And boy, do we know, especially after this year uh, for so many people being isolated, what it could mean in order to be be able to do something like grow your own food at home.
1: Mm -hmm. I've heard, and maybe Brooke, you wanna share on this, but I've heard Brooke talk about biophobia and how um, we're oftentimes removed from our biology and the biology of this world, the living components of this world. And so as folks were going into a pandemic where we were all only plugging in on Zoom and suddenly that was our only like source of connection, it actually fostered more biophobia. So who better and more adequately prepared to respond to that than people who understand what you just explained. You can rise up from a moment of depression by actually in, interacting with the enzymes in the dirt. You know, and that's something that our communities just we understand and know how to respond to because this isn't the first pandemic that we will outlive. So
0: uh, yes, we we have unleashed, we've opened Pandora's box. We really have.
2: So now yeah, when it comes to biophobia, I think What's really important for us at First Foods is that we start to indigenize wellness. So in order to do that, we have to look at what actually had occurred to our people, whether we were relocated or whether we were put on smaller allotments uh, like reservations and stuff like that. It restricted land access. So we had a mass, um, basically land theft that happened to indigenous people across the Americas and restricting land access and movements, right? So for many, for many years, if you left the reservation, it was legal for settlers to actually kill you. And mm-hmm. so this pr- produces a large amount of, of reliance on food systems that are colonial. Um, and, and then of course, things like killing off the buffalo and mm-hmm. in other nations, speak, talking about plains people, but it's important to bring up because biophobia is essentially the fear of the natural world, right? But for me, I don't think it's like a dread thing. What I see is especially with relocated nations or relocated natives, like urban indigenous people, they might be leery to eat from a tree or to eat from the ground because of, you know, it's not from a store or supermarket. So our visuals or optics have changed and it's created like a cultural palette of, of the foods we type, we like to eat that has changed and it's created an optics change in this biophobia. And so for us indigenizing wellness is basically by promoting pride in traditional foods, that these foods that, that you only really see in really top end stores or high restaurants are actually indigenous foods. And they've just been, you know, just rearranged for us to not be visible to us anymore. So to kind of remove that layer of visibility and be like, hey, these are tr- traditional foods that kept us alive for literally tens of thousands of years and be pride and, and have pride in that. And what we found most in the program with the participants is once they start to equate traditional plant foods or even, you know, a hunting of different treaty meats and things like that, seasonal foods, they start to get a spark. So even people who, let's say, are very, very picky, they might be like, you know what? That's from my, I remember like my grandparents using that. Mm -hmm. I remember the smells and it's from my territory. It's traditional. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try working with it. And so we've seen an increase in actually like, you know, enthusiasm to go and try or even forage. You know, foraging was like a big hurdle for a lot of people to get over because of the biophobia. And because of, you know, basically the U.S. policies of implementing basically land restrictions and privatizing land and enforcing and, uh, and police against indigenous people to kind of forage in their own territories for a really, really long time. So we've been finding that through programs like First Foods and, and through all of our traditionalists that come on and all of our speakers, they are just invigorating like a movement of, you know, not only land back, but food back and food traditions and, and food systems back.
0: Um, yeah, and, and also a note of, Remember that people will go to the stores and they want those large strawberries, right? That's
2: all they are. What has
0: been put into this to create that sort of thing, you know, stick to the little strawberries. They're the sweet natural ones that are growing in the backyard kind of thing. Pay attention to what it is that you are ingesting. What are you doing with your food? What are you doing with your soil? How are you tending to these sort of things? Yeah. Um, where are we on time? I think we're, we've come to.
1: Yeah, I think we're getting flagged I, by, are I so love we're getting that?
0: flagged, yes.
1: <laughs> Next, thank you so much for having us, Alicia, and for the just continued cheerleading and encouragement and just presence. I really loved this morning that you also started it out um, with Lee and a prayer like that. So thank you for continuing to model that for us.
0: I thought it was very important, you know, it was very important. Yeah, we have to have our elders leading and um, we have to have that time. Mm -hmm. Ladies, thank you so very much. Um, I look forward to having more time with you. (laughs) We do
2: too. Yeah, you guys are just amazing and we always love working with you and I couldn't have asked for a better support team and just general human beings to be in our lives because you just are just, Fabulous people. Thank you,
0: thank you, thank you. All right, I hope you um, stick around and watch more because we've got plenty coming up and we are being flagged and we have, um, we have some, uh, I shouldn't say, I guess I can say youth, younger voices from Earth Guardians that are coming on in Great. a moment here. Okay. Um, yeah, so stay, stick around. And thank you so very much. All much right. love to you both. bye bye.